Good evening and welcome to Let's Talk with Dr. Bats. Uh, I'm excited. I'm here with Darnell Scott and Leo Rooney of NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Well, we're excited to have you guys, man, and, and to have a stimulating, critical conversation about an issue that uh, is impacting our community. So, uh, Leo, welcome. You, you're you the president, huh? Peace. Yeah, yeah. President over at the National Alliance of Mental Illness, the Lehigh Valley chapter. You know, something that I got involved in a few years ago that has really, really opened my eyes to a lot of the issues that our community is dealing with. And it's just a pleasure to be here with you okay. today. Listen, it's a pleasure to have you. Where's NAMI located? So we have a brick and mortar office on Broad Street okay. uh, between 7th and 8th. Uh, we're also available online at nami-lv.org. Okay, you, you're doing my job now. I was going to keep sending people to the website. Your website is phenomenal. Though. Thank you, yes, thank you. Tons of statistics, tons of information uh, locally and nationally. Uh, Darnell, tell us about your role at NAMI. My role at NAMI, just became the VP. I'm the board member. Uh, also, outreach consultant for Promise Neighborhood of Lehigh Valley. Okay, outreach. What, what type of outreach is that? Uh, we do uh, mental health outreach. Okay, exciting. So when we when we talk about this word mental health, I mean you hear that thrown along, around a lot lately, right? Leo, what do we mean by mental health? Nah, that's a great question, Doc. Yeah, what is mental health? I mean, we can go to the diagnostic manual. That's where mm -hmm. we would go normally is the DSM, which is essentially this massive book that has a description of all the diagnoses and then also the, the treatment options. But if we pull that back and, and really ask ourselves, what is mental illness? Uh, there's a, a great book by a gentleman named Michael Foucault about uh, madness and civilization. And essentially in that book, he talks about what mental illness was before civilization, before uh, society really started to interact with these conditions, essentially, that people were, were having. And so there was a time where we saw this as something kind of magical, kind of beautiful, something different. People saw folks with mental illness as just being a part of the human condition. But once it's, we started to interact with society, you know, there's this, this need for production, right? If you're not being productive in society, mm what is your purpose? Mm. And as we started to move further and further into society, we started to institutionalize, right? We started That's to right. label. We started That's to right. say there's something wrong with these people because yeah. they're not interacting in this way that there's an expectation, That's right? right? And so we started to institutionalize folks, and, and that meant putting them away, taking them out of society, right. making sure that they weren't around. And then we started to realize that you can't just throw people away, right? But it's a class of folks who, who don't really have a lot of protections and who are often marginalized and lost and, and, and who had been since the creation of society. And so then we, we get to the point where we're not just going to get rid of you. We're going to try to treat you. And so, you know, we're, we're in an age now where we, we are treating folks. I mean, it really started in the 1950s with uh, the introduction of medication and also the use of, I mean, physical like actually physically. So from institutionalizing people to now beginning to treat people. Correct. Okay. Let's hold off there for a moment, right? Because you took us way back to Foucault and his work and really how we began to look at people rather than different or neurodivergent as from a place of defects, disabilities, and like disadvantages and things like that. Um, and what I hear you saying is that there is beauty in, in diversity. Absolutely. And, and, and different doesn't mean deficient. Yes, that's correct. Yep. Okay. Darnell. Yes, sir. So 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 you do community outreach, right? Yes, sir. So Leo just talked about folks that uh 
there was a time when people were welcomed into community. Mm-hmm. They were a little different, and they began to become institutionalized, pathologized, criminalized, all of these things, like all of the isms that people experience. Talk to us about on a community level, the people you see, live with, work with, uh, and serve every day. Well, it seems as though everyone kind of have some sort of, uh, let's say, uh, mental awareness. Mm-hmm. So with their mental awareness, they also sometimes, you know, share good times and bad. Uh, we have a saying uh, while we're out doing mental health outreach. Uh, we ask, how are you? People will give us an answer usually. And then we'll follow up with a how are you really question. And they will always give a different answer. And they would give a survey of uh, one to Slow 10. down on that. So, so, so you say, how are you? Yes. I'm fine. Yes. And then what do you say? How are you really? And once we ask, how are you really, we, we somehow... I guess it goes deeper than just the surface answer. And once they do that, then we'll follow up. Uh, We have other ways of assisting a community, Mm -hmm. stuff like that, helping the community with uh, their mental health issues. But to get people to be in a space to be comfortable to express, you know, truly how they are and what they're going through is definitely ways and possibilities. Wow. How are you really? Yes. How are you really? Uh, I'm okay. I mean, that's a how my question or how my answer. I mean, <laughs> yeah. but how am I really? Yeah. You know, I could definitely take some work in on self and just focusing more on mental health and things that are healthy for me instead of things that could be possibly toxic. So, so, so it's not them; it's us essentially. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, mental illness is on a spectrum, right? And I think, um, like all spectrums, it, you're somewhere on that line. And I think we all, all folks, interact with mental illness in, in some form or fashion. But there's a massive stigma to That's these right. things, right? right? And so little things can become bigger things, especially when they're, when they're not dealt with, when they're not addressed, when you're not working on yourself. And, and to be fair, we don't – I think what's really interesting is that there's now a conversation, an awareness, like Darnell said. We, we are starting as a society to become aware of mental illness and how important it is to overall health, Right. We haven't really gotten good at making the space for folks. We talk about it. We talk about taking mental health days. We talk about providing people space. We talk about providing people grace and comfort. That's right. But in real world practice, because we are all under so much stress, because we are all under so much, often we fall short of the mark we set. I mean, how how would we know how to do this, right? You you just talked about the fact that we were institutionalizing people. So 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 if your brother had a diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia, as my brother did, right? We would try I mean, many, many years ago people would lock them up. So we right. didn't know how to manage those behaviors. So so now you're saying people are in the community, but we're offering love, we're building community. How do we learn how to do that? How do how do we learn how to do all the things, these lofty things that we talk about? I think the thing is, is that it's just not funded the same way the institution was, mm. right? So the institution was funded. They were often run by the state. They were run by the feds. It, the money came from very specific places. And when we kind of transition from institutionalization into the idea of community mental health by treating folks in community, mm-hmm. we didn't do a great job of actually supporting the organizations in the places that would do that. And when you talk about folks who suffer on the far end of the spectrum, right, with significant mental illness, like severe schizophrenia and those kinds of things. Those are some of the folks who who right now are at most risk, right, because there was a pendulum. We made a mistake. We institutionalized people, and then when we decided we wanted to treat them, we started playing with them. We poked their brains. We shocked them. That's right. We drugged them. That's right. Right, to the point where they shook. I I worked at a psychiatric hospital 
where they used to do ECT, man. So I've seen firsthand what it does to people, right? So when you talk about that, I mean, we're not talking about 50s and lobotomies and any of that. I'm talking about in, in the 2000s where they were bringing people in the room because of major depression and, and, and shocking them, as you said. And, and it is shocking to see. Inducing physical trauma, right? I mean, that's, it's, this isn't, this is physical. This is real life shocking folks. And um, so, yeah, I think this is a part of it, right? This is definitely a big part of what treatment matters, right? We, we, we need to, to help folks. We need to get folks moving in the right direction. And what's just NAMI's don't... role? What, what, is, what role does NAMI play in this? Right. We provide services for free okay. to the community. Uh, we run education classes, peer-to-peer, family-to-family. There's just support groups, right? So you can show up on a Tuesday night and chat to somebody else who may be dealing with the same thing that you are, which okay. which is so valuable. But then we also have education classes where, you know, you or a loved one are dealing with um, mental illness or suffering from something and, and you're looking for answers and you're not finding them. We have education classes that are eight weeks that you can sign up for that will bring you in with other families or other folks in the same position and then to help teach you the tools to react in a way that is going to be more positive than negative. Because ultimately what we're talking about is these very traumatic experiences and, and what people need are tools. They need ways to learn how to navigate these incredibly emotional and difficult situations in their life. And then we also advocate, right? We do great stuff like this when we have the opportunity to come out and just talk to folks about just trying to, people. yeah, let's get rid of the stigma. Let's be honest about the spectrum. Let's be honest about the fact that we aren't taking care of people who need help, right? That's right. Let, let's make some noise and try to get money in, in places and try to, however we do it. I don't care if the state pays for it. I don't care if the money comes from community. But ultimately, we got folks every day on the streets of Bethlehem, Allentown, Easton with schizophrenia who are, are being completely lost to, the, to this world. And it's a shame. Thank you. So, so, so Darnell, you said you, you're walking around the community, you're checking in with the, your neighbors, asking how are you really. Uh, I, w- I want to share some staggering statistics that I found on the NAMI's website. Okay. Among U.S. adults in non-metropolitan areas in 2020, 21% experienced mental illness. 6% experienced serious mental illness. 13% experienced a substance use disorder. And 5% had a serious thoughts of suicide, right? And in terms of access to treatment, which Leo spoke a little bit about, right? 48% of those with mental illness receive treatment. 62% with serious mental illness receive treatment. So there are, one thing that these statistics are telling me is that, again, it's not them. This is us. I mean, I, I have a clinical diagnosis, right? Yeah. Many people do. Uh, and also that people are not getting that treatment. As you're asking people, how are you really? What are some of the things that are coming up? What are you hearing? Where are the needs? What's it like in our community? A lot of people uh, are struggle with uh, job placement. Mm. They may not have the skills to fill uh, jobs that are sufficient enough to provide for their family. Sad to say. Uh, another issue people are dealing with are housing crisis, the That's cost right. of living. So they want to have you know, a safe environment for their families as well. And... Um, you know, I guess the problem with uh, the drugs that are in their community as well. So, so, so I ask you about mental health, and you mentioned to me housing, drugs, and jobs. Yeah. What does that have to do with mental health? Well, it causes a strain on, I imagine, an individual who cannot provide for their family. Mm-hmm. Uh, an individual who's having a hard time with, you know, actually being out in their community if it's unsafe, stuff like that. So food deprivation is an issue as well. You know, people want the best 
you know, want what's good for their family, but sometimes in society, that's not what's given to them. So you've talked about food, you've talked about safety. Every every time you talk about mental health, you're talking about all these other social issues that exist with our community. I guess you're saying they exacerbate uh, mental health issues as well as trigger and create some some mental health challenges. Yes, I see definitely. You, I see you nodding your head over there, Leo. Something you wanted to add? No, absolutely. I mean, I agree. I think when you think about mental illness, it's a, it's an aspect of health and your environment matters, right? And so if there's other aspects of your life that are are not being fulfilled, especially when we're talking about things that are fundamental to human existence, like eating, like housing, like those types of things. Basic human rights. Basic human rights. Yeah, where, yeah. where do you have to go but down? How can you think outside of the small box? You're just trying to eat. You're just trying to not be wet. Wow. So it, it's pretty hard to think about what comes next. So so, so when you're told that you're not even worthy of a stable housing, of food, like you're saying, what does it do to your psyche, right? What does right. it do to your self-worth? Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked a little bit about institutionalization, right, and, and, and the fact that we're, we're in some ways getting past that. I would argue that point a little bit, right? And I would say the new institutions are the criminal justice institutions, that people with mental health diagnoses are going to jails and to prisons rather than to state hospitals. And we have a couple stats here, right? It says about two million times each year, people with serious mental illnesses are booked into jails. Two out of five people who are incarcerated have a history of mental illness. 70% of youth in the juvenile justice system have a diagnosable mental health condition. Those are staggering statistics, don't you guys mm-hmm. think? Yeah, definitely. We like to make it easy. And we also, I mean, here's the thing. We're, we're, we're trading one institution for another. That's right. Um, except the difference with this one is now we're criminalizing people and we're labeling them not only as having a mental illness, but now criminal as well. Mm. And we'd like it easy, right? I mean, even when we think about treatment, unlike the things that take time, time is valuable, right? We have to place this again into this context of society and civilization. Time is valuable. And things like cognitive behavioral therapy that take months, that take real work, going into institutions, talking to teachers, talking to people, that takes money and time. Real, I was going to say not only time, money but resources, time. money. So right? we, do, we find the easier ways out, right? Instead of actually working with these folks or coming up with a new solution, we throw them in prison. Instead of addressing the trauma in somebody's life, we give them a pill and we hope that that works. That's right. And for some people, it does work, right? I mean, it's not to discredit treatment. Um, certain forms of treatment one over the other, but we need to recognize over-diagnosis, over-treatment, using certain types of treatment over others, not because they're more effective or more efficient, but because they're simple, they're easy, and they and these are the types of things that we need to start really having conversations and putting our money where our mouth is. This is powerful. When we come back, we're going to talk about how do we have these conversations at home with the ones we love, in the community, at work, how do we normalize talking about mental health? We'll be right back. Spread the word about your business or organization to a well-informed audience. Become an underwriter with WDIY. Our lineup of NPR news and locally produced programs reaches thousands of engaged listeners in the Lehigh Valley and beyond. Underwriting on WDIY is an affordable and effective way to provide information about your product and services to people who care. To learn more about underwriting opportunities, 610-694-8100 or WDIY.org. Welcome back to Let's Talk. I'm here with Darnell Scott, Leo Rooney from the National Alliance of Mental Illness, Lehigh Valley Chapter. Welcome, guys. This is a great conversation. Wanted to open us back up with uh, the words of Dr. Joy DeGruy. She says, America's pathology is her denial. America's pathology is her denial. 
and, and that comes to me because this is a conversation that we often don't have around mental illness, right? And you, you keep talking a little about this stigma. Like, how do we destigmatize this and normalize the conversation? I think we need to, in part, I think being honest with each other, right? Communicating it, being open, you know, lifting up as you climb. Mm. So for me, the reason I got involved with NAMI in the first place is because I struggled with mental illness from a, a very young age, mm-hmm. labeled, drugged. And my experience really developed this this very negative view of who I was and, and how I was supposed to interact in this world. And it took a lot of hard work for me to, to overcome that. Um, but when I did, I said, I don't want other children to feel the way I did. And that's what wow. ultimately got me in with the National Alliance of Mental Illness. I wanted to We have a a program called In Your Own Voice where folks have an opportunity to go and speak to other groups about what they've experienced. That's right. And it's heavy, but it's real. And I think often when folks who are in those positions understand that they're not alone and that there is hope, there are multiple treatment options, right? Like the first time I went to try to figure myself out. I swung and I missed. I, I tried those those traditional things that I had done when I was a kid, and all that did was traumatize me more. It, mm. it brought me back to those those negative feelings I had. But when I found what worked for me, what, when I found what helped me get out of the sand and be able to start to be the human I needed to be, going out and, and sharing that, that with other folks and, and trying to help them find their path is invaluable, and I think it's one of the most powerful. It's community. Right. Authentic relationships. We talk about that. Authentic relationships is how we, we, we save this world. That's right. Thank you for that. So 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 what you're saying is we demystify depression by talking about our own depression at times. Right. And right. let people know that there is hope on the other side of it, that we've made it through that there's treatment and support and community. Um, Darnell, do you find that people feel like they're alone out in the community that you engage with? Yes, definitely. And the work we do with Promise Neighborhood and our uh, mental health outreach we allow ourselves to, you know, follow up and, you know, stay on top of our participants. That's right. So, so building relationships long term with them. Yes, definitely. Okay. So now I want to talk to you, Darnell, specifically about this idea of therapy, right? Uh, you're a black man. I'm a black man. I've been to therapy. I used to be a therapist. And mm-hmm. there's a stigma in our community, especially amongst black men, on on, on seeing a therapist. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, unfortunately. It's sad to say, but I believe that's true. And, and what's the source of that? And how do we get through that? It's because of, I think, like a a stigma, basically, that, you know, as a man, you know, we're supposed to be uh, easily handled. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We're supposed to be on top of things. We're ahead of our household. And uh, it's hard sometimes for for us to say that we could use the help or, you know, we don't have it all figured out. It's this idea of perfectionism. That's it. Yeah. So I believe with mental health and counseling and stuff like that, that it's important. So I encourage that. There's nothing greater than just expressing it, even if they're in a good position in their life mentally, that they still should express that. And just good to just, you know, have that avenue with the assistance and uh, the collectiveness of sharing mental health and the healing. Thank you, man. Um, so, so I was trained in what they call <clears throat> radical therapy, right? And, and what we learn is that systems are broken and that people are perfect, whole and complete. So what you're doing is oftentimes responding to the broken systems and you think it's about you. Uh, So, Leo, right, Darnell and I agree that black men have this issue with therapy. You're not going to get off the hook. White men don't want to go to therapy either. Right. So so, so how do we get past that stigma, man? 
You know, that's a great question. And I think it's a it's a question that that we're going to continue to ask. And I think the reality is that it's different for everybody, right? I don't know that I think we are always trying to find this one answer to one solution. And I think because mental illness is an individual thing that everybody is going to have to kind of get to the place in their own way, right? And I think to what you're saying, right, is like, there's opportunities for treatment outside of the DSM, right? Mm. You don't need to go see some guy in a white lab coat talking about lay on the ground and chop it up with your cousins, right? Go talk to your family, go talk to your people, like Mm -hmm. there are, or find outlets, find other ways for you to express yourself through art, through music, through, there are ways that we can start to demystify and then also treat some of these underlying, you know, conditions and treatment. There's two separate, right? There is the very clinical, there is a chemical imbalance in the brain that is throwing off serotonin and dopamine and all of these things that is going to make you interact differently with the world, which is the beauty part, right? But it can also be disruptive. And and ultimately, that disruption is what leads folks to to interact in a way that then means that they're labeled and need to be treated. It's it's disruptive if it's in a third grade classroom and the teachers and the peers and the school does not recognize the diversity in which we show up, the different ways in which we show up. That's correct. Yeah, absolutely. But there are options. There are ways. There, There are things that we can do and again, making space in community, right? Like yeah. making space to recognize when other people are hurting, you know, going out of our way to be nosy, right? Like in, in a lot of senses. How are you like, really? We like our people, mm-hmm. right? How are you really? Like when, yeah. you know, it's really easy to be, to see something and then not do anything and walk away from it because mm. of that, you know, for white folk, like fear of conflict, right? Fear, fear of being open, fear of those types of things often keep things, because let's also be honest here. <laughs> we, we say we make space. We say that it's Okay. But go in and tell your boss that you're dealing with mental illness. Yeah. Right. Go in and see. Go and tell your wife. Go and tell your kid. See how people start to treat you. Right. Because that stigma is still real. So, you know, I think there's also a fear. Right. That if we do start to talk about these things, as Darnell was saying, people are going to see me different. People aren't going to trust me. I'm going to lose my position. So it's better I suffer quietly than mm. I actually try to do something about it. Mm. And, and the thing is, you suffer quietly. You can only suffer so long. It'll overwhelm you. It'll it consume will overwhelm you. you. It will consume you. So there's research and stories that talk about uh, people that had like a severe and persistent mental illness, right? At their point where they're psychotic, not really functioning well in society, and they go home to like indigenous communities or like back to uh, areas in Africa, Caribbean places like this, and their symptoms begin to resolve because they're a part of a community that welcomes them in their diversity. You know, that says like, oh, that's Darnell. You know, he's 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 eccentric. But you have a place, you have a role within the community. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I would submit that there, there's no expectation. Yeah. They're not expecting something from you. Like we are. Just be Leo. Just be Leo. Just, Just be. Just be Doc. And there's value in, in being Doc. There's value in being Darnell. So here in our society, we have these heavy expectations. Is that what you're saying? Right. Wow. And this also takes me to, to, to another story that I recently heard from a young lady that was in Gambia. And she was sharing with me that uh, she had took some American students over there. And, uh, you know, people can get boisterous. They're arguing. Voices get loud. So they're arguing. And the U.S. guy hit the guy. And how the whole town came out, the whole village came out and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, you've gone too far. Right. We yell. We argue. We disagree. But under no circumstances is that required. And they all sat around and resolved that issue together. And he shared, like, it was his anxiety. Like, he was just so nervous with the guy yelling at him that he physically hit the guy. But collectively, and that's, is that the community that you guys are talking about and looking to build? 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, we uh, address all issues when within the center. So yeah, definitely, for, it's good for the community to have a role and play a part and uh, hold each of us accountable to our behaviors. So mm. we want to definitely, uh, uh, if I'm dealing with some things, I can express those things freely and not feel like I'm, you know, just holding them in and uh, only keeping them to myself. So uh, I need, you know, to let it out and have that outlet and feel safe that the response will be positive and you know and stuff like that safe yeah culture matters right culture absolutely matters and S- say a little more about that i mean you know i think it, it is one of these elephants in the room and i think it's one of these things that it's from scientific perspective like i can't say that video games are are 100 harmful i can't say that if you listen to the rap music or you watch that movie that that's going to make you violent But I also think that we have to be honest about the fact that, like, especially if we're not having conversations about what that is, if we're not teaching people the difference between entertainment and reality, and you start to blur those lines, like, we we see an increase in violence, right? I mean, that is something that you can look at, go up to Lehigh and look at the research that they've done recently around violence and, and the increase in violence in political spaces and other places, like, that's just a reflection of society and of how hum- how we feel and how we are interacting with our fellow humans. We are getting more disconnected. Mm. And the only thing that's going to bring us together is if we start caring about each other. You, you need to look at this person and see them as your brother, your sister, your cousin, your mechanic, your pilot, right. your that kind of stuff. That's right. Not so, seeing so them as other. It's not it's – not, uh, we have to do it with these transactional relationships and, and really begin to form true, authentic. So we say healing occurs in authentic relationships and within community. And that's what I hear both of you guys saying is that we have to build more community, more relationships. Absolutely. Um, yep. So for our listeners, let's, let's, let's have a call to action. What do we do today moving forward? What are some, some small things that we can do and what are some big things that we can do? Darnell, small thing that you want people to do. Small thing I would like for people to do is – uh, my my first go-to, I would say, is uh, optimism. Be optimistic. You know, don't always think negative. Think positive, and it'll spread uh, or, like, pay it forward or stuff like that. Okay. So hope. Yeah. Optimism spreads. Yeah. Think good thoughts. It's, it's, it's simple, but you're saying that will improve your mental health and improve your community. Yes. Okay, definitely. Leo, something little. I'm going to keep it all on the same line with Darnell, right? So give yourself five minutes and be quiet. Turn everything off if you can. Just try try to get that five minutes and just try not to think, try not to do anything. And then when you leave that space, try to do something positive for somebody. And when I mean that, I mean just hit up a friend and say hi. Let somebody know how much you they appreciate or you appreciate them. Just something small and, and see how that affects you. So that's like the text that you send me, Doc, thinking of you, just wanted to tell you. Like literally, you'll send me that text. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, so, so the little thing, positive. It grows. It spreads. Unplug and do something positive. Something big done now. We got less than a minute. So give us something big that we can do. Something big that you can do. Uh, let's say some go through your closet, look for some things that you may not use or need, and then give it to someone else that it's in need. Mm. Uh, you know, take the time to uh, actually assist with uh, cleaning up the community, stuff like that. Just, you know, get outside of your comfort zone and... Uh, Give back if if you could. You you you're big on this idea that social needs contribute to uh, mental health and mental illness. I see. Yes, sir. That that providing and supporting people's social development. Thank you for that, uh, Leo. Something big. Bring us home. If this resonates with you and you want to do, you know, you, you're recognizing something through this conversation. Reach out, right? Reach out to Nami. 
there's a lot of ways, whether that's that's you think that one of our services might be useful for you, if you want to volunteer, uh, any way you can support, because the more support we have, the better we're going to be able to serve our community, right? So um, my big call to action is come check us out at nami-lv.org. Look at what we got going on. If you're interested with volunteering, let us know. Yeah, and, and, and again, just thank you so much for, for providing this space, right, to have this critical conversation about something that is affecting every single community member. Thank you, guys. Thank you, NAMI, for being here. Anything else you want to say in closing? Uh, yes, we are PNLV. Follow us on Instagram, W-E-A-R-E-P-N-L-V, or PromiseNeighborhoodsLV.org. Check us out uh, or come and assist and partake in uh, all of the great things that Promise Neighborhood has to offer, and also NAMI as well. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you guys. Uh, look forward to learning more about your work, being a partner with NAMI. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Betts. Have a good evening, and we'll see you next time on Let's Talk.